0: What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Sane podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Sane podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people passions in all things business today sitting across the way i have greg kearney of the homegrown trading post
1: how's it going welcome to the yes, show tgif how's it going man
0: it's going great it's going great homegrown trading post is a uh store a e-commerce store Correct. that specializes in originally soaps, mm-hmm. moved into kind of like CBD topicals, yep. and now has launched a line of candles. Candles,
1: soy wax, yeah, <laughs> clean burning candles. Now we've uh, it's been a this whole past year has just been a, a cool year of growth yeah. as far as just adding that, getting the process down. There's a lot more to candles than I ever would have imagined. I thought it was, you melt the wax down, yeah. you add your, but it's all temperatures and time and like getting them dialed in, you pour the fragrance oil in at a certain time. I mean, it, there's just, there's chemistry, yeah. you know, but, yeah. uh, but it's been awesome, like figuring it, you know, getting it squared away.
0: Greg, talk to me about
1: your entrepreneurial journey. Like, where did this all start? If we're going to even talk about this business, we would probably have to take it back to 2015 uh, and early 2016. I had just uh, gotten out of rehab. I had some uh, issues with substance abuse, alcoholism, and uh, also um, used opiates and things of that nature. And I Mm. needed to put those habits behind me Um, with doing that and, you know, I had a lot of free time on my hands and wasn't going out. I stayed at the house. I just, you know, stuck to myself a good bit, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I went and bought some soap at a farmer's market. Um, and I took it home and I was like, man, this, it felt really clean. You know, like I was using whatever I could find at the you know, pharmacy or whatever, just body washes, you know, bathroom body works or whatever. Um, but, I always noticed that with store-bought soap, there was, like, a a slickness even mm. after you rinsed. And it was, uh, you know, when I used this goat's milk soap, it was, like, squeaky clean. Yeah. Like, literally made, like, a noise when I was rinsing off. It was like, <laughs> you know, it was like, I was like, man, I could feel that it, it took the oils out of my skin that, sure. you know, toxins and things like that. Or at least that's kind of what I thought, and it left my skin feeling good, so... I looked on YouTube and I was like, I can probably, you know, at least make my own soap. And like, that'll, you know, cut out one thing I have to buy and it'll be something that I make and, you know, whatnot. So for Christmas that year, this was probably like, I got sober in February. Mm. So February 5th of this year will be seven years. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, but this was probably in like the fall that I kind of just developed an interest in it and it was something creative it was something that you know you're concocting a smell that you can kind of smell in your head Mm. before you actually smell it with your nose I kind of knew what I was looking for for each individual scent that I was going with but it was a way for me to be creative Mm. and to you know it was a way for me to use up time doing something productive but I that year I gave it uh, for Christmas gifts yep, to just like family and friends and about a week after Christmas, everybody was like, hey, now, this is really good. Like, they like the soap. I, I need to get more, and I want to get some for so-and-so, and I need to get some for my uh, kids' teachers, and uh, how much do you charge? And I was like, what did you just say? Uh-huh. I had no—I'd never even thought that anyone would ever buy this from me. No at idea. All. It was just, I'm going to make this for myself, and this year I'll give it for Christmas gifts. Next year I'll make something else and yeah, give yeah, them yeah, that, yeah. And, and it'd be just done. But it literally started— that small that little tiny little seed of like wait a minute and so I made little things for them and I was like well you need to have it labeled somehow Mm -hmm. you know you need to come up with the name and that kind of thing so I went through several different options but um, homegrown I love the fact that it's you know homegrown trading post is our name and um, homegrown just being that literally it's it's made in my home you know that's where it started and it started just having this free time and not not going out and and doing, you know, not really being social necessarily, but I needed to kind of be at home for a, a good solid year or something like that and uh
0: t- talk to me about this, right? So, you know, how challenging it was it to kind of get past that addiction.
1: Ah. Uh, first year was it was difficult. It was um for me, and I think everybody has their own own story, anyone that's, you know, been through this and and every person has their own little individual case so this is just mine but I was ready to to change Mm -hmm. um I went voluntarily to uh a facility and I stayed there for six weeks Mm -hmm. um I think for me it was with alcohol it's something you pass by every single day you know it's on every corner and things like that so I think it took me being away from it for that long and to like Get it completely out of me, and then, it, but I, but I wanted to to be there and start that journey. That desire finally, is so important. It is. I was uh, living on Saint Simons at the time, and I was miserable. Um, did not like the work I was doing. I had uh, gained weight. I was just it, it was it was a very rough patch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally called my mom, and I was like, you know what, I'm coming to Statesboro. I'm I'm ready to to go and do ready to man up and do what I need to do. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, staying there for six weeks was instrumental. I um I got out and did not have a job. I had $13 in my Wells Fargo account. That is literally all I had because while I was in rehab, you know, all my, you know, the bills that come out automatically, they were still coming out yeah. and things like that. And uh, I wasn't making a lot of money at the time on St. Simon's just because I was – spending it on things I shouldn't be spending it on. So I was broke. I um, I moved back here and lived with my mom for about a month. And my stepdad and they were very gracious to take me in and give me a home for that amount of time. And I was walking my dog, Marley, who we'll probably get into at some point because she's a, she's a CEO of the company. But uh, <laughs> we were walking and we uh, saw this little house for rent. It was mm-hmm. for rent at the time. And I started renting it. And, um, yeah, yeah. When I first started making soap and the soap kind of started growing, or the business rather, uh, I w- had a full-time job. I was doing property management uh, for a real estate company here in town, and it got to where I was having to get up at like 4 or 5 in the morning, do orders, and then go to work from 8.30 to 5. Mm. And I'd get off work, and I'd come back, and— you you know what I'm talking about, supply, man. You know, baby. well, I mean, but I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's that grind. way with just about any business. It's, it, when it you is. start out, you know, before you know if this is something that you can truly make a career out of, yeah, you you've got to, you're probably already employed doing something else, and it starts out as a side hustle. And uh, I did that for about a year, and to to where it got miserable, and it was I was yeah. not sleeping good and that kind of thing, and so I uh, had to go down to part time with the real job. Uh But that let me, uh, so I would go mornings, I could get up at like four or five, you know, Uh and bust it till about lunchtime. So I'd put in about a seven, eight hour shift, then go do like a four hour, you know, part time. They let me kind of just help with the rentals, rental properties and things like that part time, which was awesome and and gracious of them to understand kind of what I had going on. And you can ask anybody that I work with while I still had either a full-time or part-time job during those first two years, and it was, um, I had this saying that was, because they would ask me, like, what are you doing this weekend? I'd be like, I've got to make soap, you know? And they're yeah. like, why are you doing this, you know? Sure. And there was this voice, and they can, you can ask any one of them, because I would say it all the time. I was like, something keeps telling me to keep your head down and keep making that soap. And it's like, I would repeat that. It was like a mantra. Like, yeah. keep your head down. And I think that I'll get into where that that phrase came from, because I used to think it was my inner voice or, Mm -hmm. you know, my gut. But it's man upstairs But we can talk about that in a minute. But something was just telling me, just keep doing it, keep doing it, you know. And there were lean months. There were months where, you know, especially when I was part time and part time that, you know, it wasn't always easy. It was daunting. And I think if you're going to be a, a business person, you've got to expect some crushing defeats, Yeah, you know, like prepping all week for, a, you know, a festival or something like that. And you make all this inventory and you go and you spend a whole Saturday in the summer and you're sweating. And you don't make anything uh, or, you know, or, you know, people buy stuff, but it's not the, the you're going to have some of those defeats, but that builds that. Keep your head down and keep making that soap. Mm -hmm. Nobody said it was gonna be easy, but um, going back to to getting sober, about six days into my stint in rehab, I wanted to leave. I was uh, irritable and frustrated, and I was like, "Have I, you know, what have I got myself into?" My, you know. I'm from Statesboro, sure. and the facility was here in Statesboro, and it was like a mile from my mom's house. like, I can be on this a couch well, in 20 <laughs> minutes if I want to, you know, and I was questioning if I wanted to stay there, and I went to, there was somebody speaking that afternoon, and I wish I knew this gentleman's name because uh, I thanked him at the end when I left because everything changed for me on this day. It was the Friday after I went in on a Saturday. What do you say? He was a doctor. Who did not have a history of substance abuse. He was there in a clinical sense, but he would speak um, occasionally. And he was getting his, the MCATs, you know, they were taking that test, to become a doctor. And the first time he took it, he failed it. And it was just crushing. I mean, you have to wait, I think. Either six weeks or six months before you can take it again. So it's not like you can just—I'll be back next Saturday. Yeah. I'll knock it back out. No, you gotta. Uh-uh, Wait. It, it don't work like that. Yeah. And he was talking to his—you um, know—he had a mentor that he studied under and everything. But he—he he studied again. He was frustrated because he knew everything. You know, he—he he, he had studied. He had put in the time and all that. And he took it again and he failed it again. Twice. Twice, And if I'm not mistaken, it is six months that you have to wait. So this is a year he's waited now to just – he's still doing his, uh, I think, nursing program or whatever. But not able to take that next leap in his career. And so finally, after failing it twice, he talked to his mentor. And his mentor said, sounds like you've studied. You've got all this. um, You're getting enough sleep. You know, you're keeping your body and your mind fit. You're eating good foods. I mean, all that stuff factors into it. He goes, what is your spiritual walk like? He says, what is that entire avenue of your life like? And he said a light bulb went off in his head, and he goes, he, he was raised Christian. He had never, uh, you know, not thought of himself as a Christian, but he had not been, like, consulting that part of his life at all through mm-hmm. his for a couple of years now. Um, and he said that, uh, long story short, he started praying more and he started reaching out more and took it again, having that part of his life also healthy, past it. And I knew that, like, if you've ever been in, like, listening to somebody talk or something, and it's like, this guy is talking to me. And it was like, it was one of those moments. I walked back to room B1. And I shut that door. It's my own little private room, and I hit my knees, and I just started crying. And I uh, basically, I told God, if you will get me away from this stuff and let me live my life and you know give me peace in my head and my heart, I'll do what you want me to do. I'm on board. I had said that many times in prayer, like, if you can get me out of this, oh, I will, I will be just the best, just you wait. I meant it this time. And I knew that I meant it. Did it feel different when you? Totally. It felt more just profound because I meant it, because I knew that I wasn't bluffing, because I knew I wasn't under the effect of any mind-altering substances while I was saying it. Mm. I was 100% sober. And I knew, just like that that doctor knew, that that was the part of my life that has been missing. I've been trying to do this myself. And I've not been able to do it. But that right there, a peace came over me. And I know this sounds like, oh, he's trying to be, you know, dude, I'm the most skeptical person ever. And there was a peace that came over me after saying that on my knees. Then I went to bed that night and I woke up the next day and it was still there. I did not want to leave anymore. It was like, you've kind of turned a corner. You can kind of see what you need to start bird dogging, which is mm. an old country slang for <laughs> what you need to start focusing on. And it, it, it just hit me like a ton of breaks. Like this is the part of my life that I have not. I'd go to church for Easter, Mother's Day, Christmas. You're going to get that's about three out of me. And that's I'll say a blessing before a meal and that kind of thing. But I wasn't taking my relationship with God seriously. I wasn't talking to him. I wasn't asking for help. And I was now and like everything that was the single most profound moment of my entire life. Everything changed. So fast forward to uh, keep your head down and keep making that. So the way I see it now, looking back, the keep your head down part, I think, has two meanings. I think it means, first of all, keep your head down, pray reach out to God don't let that part of your life ever not be something that you continue to work on and try to build you're not going to be perfect with it all the time I'm a sinner you know Mm -hmm. just like everybody else but keep your head down also meant don't look at everybody else I used to when I first got out of college it was like he's getting this and they're getting this and keep up with the Joneses kind of thing yeah keep your head down I don't worry about nobody else anymore You know, I don't. And it's, uh, don't try to be like other folks. Don't care. Their path is their path. And it's a good path and great. But keep your head down. Don't be worried about these worldly things that are going on around you. Stay on your little path and just keep making that soap. And that that one I knew. Yeah. But the keep your head down part, I I started realizing, because I would tell the people at work, there's this voice that just keeps telling me, "It's a man upstairs." Yeah, that was an almost an instruction, as far as I'm concerned. That's how I take it, and I've applied it, and that's that's still something I say in my head. Uh, keep your head down. Just keep making this up. Such
0: a powerful testimony.
1: I mean, you know, it's it it sounds crazy. It's but it's changed my life profoundly. I um. I've always struggled with finding a job that I that I really was passionate about. I uh, used to jokingly tell folks, like, tell how much somebody likes their job with how they lift the covers off the bed in the morning. Do they sling them off because uh-huh. you got you got to get up and <laughs> let's go, let's do it? Or is it you know? Yeah. Heck yeah! I get done. I don't know. You get, Are you angry when you when you're That's taking right. the covers off? How are your feet hitting the ground, you know? Um, and I I used to dread going to work with just, and it wasn't that the places were bad. It wasn't that the people were bad. It just wasn't, I wasn't passionate in it. And I knew that it wasn't something that like.
0: It's, it's Yes,
1: yes. But like making stuff with my hands, you know, and I play music too. And I mean, I like, I like doing things and I like making things and like, being creative, coming up with a smell and like when someone else uses it and they're like, this is awesome. You're like, yes. Uh Or like, you know, when you create a dish and someone tastes it and it's like, this is the best, it's it's that feeling. And I'd never experienced that with like showing a house or something like that. Like, yeah, you might get the the rental or whatever, but it was never just like soul gratifying, you know, soul, that soul, man, you know, like. And there's something about this. I will get those emails every time I get an order. Yeah, it says auto merchant, uh-huh. and it's just like a a natural high. It really is, and mm-hmm. it's just like it's flutters, it's butterflies. It's it's, and it still is every single. I mean, got one this morning. It was like, yes, I've got uh-huh. something to do as soon as I leave here. I've got to, you know, and it's just, I love it. I love it.
0: That's awesome. And what and what has that done for the business?
1: For the business, it's. We run on faith, man. We really do. We do not advertise at all. At zero. There's not. do not even I have a $0 marketing budget every month. Zero. Um, we do social media. And yeah. I don't even pay for a rental sponsor, boost post, nothing like that. But I know and I get on my knees every morning and I say, this is your business. Mm-hmm. Help me facilitate it to be whatever it is you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think that... He's gonna give a uh, recovering alcoholic and drug addict a multi-million-dollar business right out the bat. Yeah. No, that wouldn't be what I would need. I don't even think I would do well with that right out the bat. Mm-hmm. We have been a business of slow and steady growth and building a brand over time. You know. And talk like, to me about
0: that. What What is the brand to you?
1: Some of the best advice I've ever been given was by Scott Marchbanks here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, owns Frills and uh, on uh, on Maine here. That's right. He told me when I first started this because he bought some soap because he he used to make soap you know, years back, and uh, he loved it and he still orders you know from me and I still drop it off either in his mailbox or I'll go you know <laughs> take it over there to him. But um, he said never forget that. You are your brand. You. Mm -hmm. He said, you can do all the fancy marketing that you want. You can come up with just crazy, you know, artistic logos and things like that. and Have your stuff on every promotional item ever. But he goes, at the end of the day, you are your brand. What is your brand? And it's like, man, you know, for me, laid back. You know, hippie guy, (laughs) living with my dog, and we're making soap in our flip-flops. That's our brand. You know, I can't avoid it. That's who I am as a a person. I love music. You know, I'm an artistic, you know, creative mind that, you know, likes to take it easy. I don't take life too seriously. We're not just zeroed in on just money, 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 money. No. Mm -hmm. God is going to let this be what he what he wants it to be, and he takes care of me. Yeah. Every single month. And, like, going back to when I was in, like, part-time, there would be months where I would freak out. I'd be getting close to the end of the month. Um, I was renting the house at the time. I've since bought it, but rent would be due in, like, four days. Yeah. Lord, I don't have this money. I genuinely don't. Like, it's not in my account. And I don't want to have to reach out to somebody. I'm too old for that, you know, like... And almost like to the dollar amount, it would just be almost, and this would happen many times. But almost to the dollar amount, either that day or whatever, like it would be a call and response kind of thing. Too many times to ignore. Mm. And it was, think I'm kidding. Like there's no exaggeration. Like I could show you the bill stubs and whatnot. Like it's, but it it taught me to just have faith, to not freak out. If, if you have a slow day yeah to not freak out if you have a slow month, we just weathered a pandemic and like skyrocketing inflation and like economic crazy stuff like to be a small business doing the type of stuff that we do and to even survive that I think is a is a, a blessing like it really is I know it is and you know to it's just built faith in me. Mm. Every day I get up. As long as I know that this is yours, this ain't mine, it's going to be what you want it to be, let me make that happen. Show me what I can do to make that happen. And, like, I take that seriously. So, like, that's literally our business plan at the the core of it. Love that. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty in tune with myself now. So if I feel drawn to, to do something or, you know, start a new product line or something like that. It really interests me, and it's like candles. I've always wanted to make candles, you know, always have. And uh, when I first started making soap, I had some neighbors that lived across the, uh, the street from me, Brett and Mary Beth, Fraser. And Mary Beth owns Hive Salon here okay. in town, and uh, Brett works at GSU for the Center uh, for Addiction and Recovery. Okay. So uh, they started making – they were making candles at the time. They had a uh, candle company called uh, R.A. Wicks. And I was just fascinated by it, you know? Uh And so, like, even this past year, just adding that new line and, like, starting that new process, it's just like there's still cool stuff to do. And so it's just... I don't know. Keep your head down and keep making that soap doesn't necessarily just mean soap, but Uh it just means, you know, as far as this business, like, him first. Everything else will happen how it's supposed to. And if I... I can say that, but if I don't actually practice it and like have faith in that i said am i even having faith
0: faith you know? is a huge component
1: it's crazy and, and i've been stubborn with it my whole life but like these past almost seven years have taught me like it's okay to let go of some things and like let him kind of you know steer the steer this bus yeah i jokingly say i'm riding shotgun you know i'm riding on the first seat on the bus but he's 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 the driver you know Talk to me about the music. Yep. So, you know, were you always a musician? Started playing music when I was 11. I um, got a guitar for Christmas, a little acoustic one. About a $129 hey. <laughs> nylon string classic. <laughs> That's how it always starts. Uh, I forget the brand of it, but uh, it ended up somehow just not by force, but just like snapping in half. So I had to get a new one. But anyway, I uh, just loved it. I... um. Took lessons at DeLoach's for a little while and got kind of the basics. And then I started taking from Chris Mitchell, Mm. owner of Plaid Dot and uh, Chris Mitchell Guitars and Devil Cat Amps. But that's kind of when things kind of started clicking for me from an improvisational level, like learning scales and things like that. I'm a big fan of like the Almond Brothers and the Grateful Dead and like having structured parts of songs, but then also having jams where you kind of, let it, let it flow. Different each night, you know. It's you know, goes back to the old jazz musicians and things like that, where you just kind of let it go, let it happen, let it go where it's gonna go. Um, that was in like high school, and it wasn't until college that I would go and like I started getting paid money to go play in some bars. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, it's just for free beer and you know some, some chicken wings or whatever, <laughs> but uh, which was cool, you know, but. Uh, We started, uh, as soon as I graduated college, I took like a year and a half off and just played music here in Statesboro. Mm -hmm. That's all I did for a living. And I had cheap rent, had roommates, you know, so I mean, it was just whatever, but I just developed that love of like, not even performing, but just having other people kind of join in on the experience with you, people that dig that kind of music. We were playing, you know, some Grateful Dead tunes, Widespread Panic and things like that. Hadn't really gotten into writing original stuff just yet but um I just developed that love of like sharing music with people and like next time we play 10 more people would be there and it's like whoa, now what's going on and you know people are you know started kind of dancing and stuff uh-huh. and like, oh man this yeah, is this just is awesome I've hit the big time you know <laughs> playing at this sports bar but uh I just love it it's just it's another one of them things that I've always just been passionate about and it's something that is so therapeutic like playing music is very therapeutic I mean get your emotions out I can have a bad day mm. sit on the couch with my dog at my feet and I can play that guitar and like just get stuff out for like an hour and it's it's a release I feel better after yeah period you know so I mean and it's natural yeah you know and uh but that just kept developing I once I got done with my year and a half stint of just living the dream down here in Statesboro, I decided I needed to move to Athens mm-hmm. um, for the music scene and things like that. And I had a degree now in marketing. And so I went up there and started uh, working at an apartment complex, a company that owns apartment complexes all across the nation, student housing. And I was doing their marketing yeah. and uh, helping out with like leasing and things like that. So that's kind of how I got into like property management and things like that. But I was also making sure that they had heads on beds is what we used to say. You know, a 612-bed right. facility and we kept it at 100% almost uh, every year I was there. Um, but I loved that too because it was, you know, it's marketing. It was like you can kind of use your creative muscles and cause and effect. Like, did we fill up? Yeah. Yes, yes, you know. So that's kind of how I started learning and that experience would come in handy with this business, you know, because you got to reach out to people and like, convince them to try your product, Yeah. Uh, whether it's an apartment, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, guitar lessons or whatever, you know, you've got to somehow draw people in. So that gave me good experience with marketing and advertising and things like that. Although we don't have a marketing and advertising budget now, we learn ways to kind of still get our word word out out. there, you know, and we we ship coast to coast now. So, I mean, a lot of times I don't know how people have heard of us Mm -hmm. when there's a, a new name that shows up and. Spokane, Washington, or whatever—it's yeah. like, how in the world did you find out about this ball-headed guy and his dog uh-huh. making products in Statesboro, Georgia? But you know, it's—it's it's been cool to just see how, how that kind of worked. But were
0: you still gigging on the weekends? I
1: was gigging on the weekends, um, and. Started playing in some bands that actually traveled, and that that was kind of. Then it was like, oh my gosh, this is really doing it. <laughs> well, it, it, it was you know not only that, but just like, you know, we would do tours out yeah. west in vans, and like you That's go so see. Cool. I was seeing states I've never seen before, yeah. like, and and honestly, I mean, I'm a Georgia boy, man. i I did a senior trip to Mexico, <laughs> and uh, you know, I could probably count on you know. <laughs> Five fingers, you know how many states I've been to. So it was just a whole new, and World. just meeting people, yeah. and like I love it. Like even like in the little podunk restaurants, and like the sweet waitress that'll call you sugar and things yeah. like that's those experience those experiences that you wouldn't have, you know, in your hometown or wherever you you don't branch out, you know. So it got me traveling, and but you also build like this camaraderie with the people that you're in the trenches with, you yeah. know. You're smelling, in the smelly van, and you know, you're in close quarters, and you're basically married. I mean, sleeping right next to each other, yeah. you know, for weeks on end or days on end. But you you learn to overcome adversity. What the trailer gets a flat, you know, you're going to have these Situation. problem solving things like that. But you you build a little brotherhood there, and it's uh, some of those relationships are still lasting. Uh, Bass player for the band I'm in now is uh, Greg Cooler. He's also from Statesboro. But, oh, no, Greg. Yeah, he uh, is married to my sister, uh-huh. and, they, and they met you know, via music, via yeah. a band that we were in you know back in Athens. But, so, yeah, we were um, playing and, and, and grinding, and then I met Cooler, and I met a guy named Scott Underwood. Him. scott underwood plays drums and he is also our web developer Got for you. our website uh-huh. he does all of our our entire com. that is all him and uh so like i still have these connections with these people you know we're we're still down in the trenches together That's right but uh we started an all instrumental band it was a trio at first we ended up adding keyboards but um it's called tent city and uh we started kind of getting out, but we were writing original compositions. They were all instrumental. No, we didn't even have a vocalist. Uh, didn't even need a microphone. So, Yeah. But um, that was the first time that I was actually, like, writing pieces of music. I'd never written stuff. And it would, you know, there'd be Latin-flavored things. There'd be, you know, funk and soul and blues and all the things that I've kind of, you know, picked up on and fallen in love with. But um, it wasn't till Parts and Labor... Uh, we formed, I think, in 2019, that I started writing lyrics. And going back to when I was like, playing music is therapeutic, oh my gosh, writing lyrics and things like that is so just... Next level. Yeah, it really is, man. And it's... uh, I sometimes don't think before I speak. So like when I write music, it's just like one sentence sometimes can take three days, Mm. you know, one line. And it's just like, what is the perfect verb to go... You know, and just... I am still new at it, so I do not consider myself to be good in any stretch of imagination. It's, it's just more for me, mm-hmm. and if other people dig it, great. But it's like, you know, I had a relationship last year that would, you know, ended weirdly and got three songs out of it though. You know? <laughs> so uh, they always say, you know, it's it's not a good relationship. You don't get any any songs out of it up when it ends. So, but um. Writing those songs helped me get over the relationship, you know? And um, so it it just, it's therapeutic, it Mm -hmm. just is. And, you know, it it gets those emotions out. It gets negativity out for me. yeah. And that's why I, that's been the big game changer is like writing lyrics and things like that. And, um, you know, I had a, a friend that passed away a few years ago and I was able to sing a song at his, at his funeral. Ten years ago I would have never even A have written a song. B would have had the I'd have been too freaked out to go, you know, sing in front of folks. And that's still something I'm a little uneasy about, but force myself to keep you know sure keep doing it just cause, you know. Quit being yeah. a quit being a wuss. Yeah. But um yeah, it's just been it's been great. It's um it's a whole new bag of tricks, you know, and I'm still kinda pulling them out, digging (laughs) in the toy box of it, you know? And it's just, it's fun, man. Talk to me about, you know, there's oftentimes
0: a separation between art and business. Mm -hmm. Because business, the decisions are very logic-based, whereas art is more emotional. Oh, yeah. As a business owner that loves music, Mm -hmm. you write music, you play music, what do you think is the overlap between the two? And how do they come together to create a even better product?
1: Yeah. Hey, I think um, probably, you know, the music that I originally fell in love with was recorded probably anywhere from like the fifties to seventies. And back then, you know, there was the musicians and then there's the suits. <laughs> you know, and there's a there was a definite division between it. Yeah. like somebody else decide this, we just wanna play. Yeah. You know, and that was yeah. uh, mentality and to a degree That still is. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of musicians that have no desire to be a part of the business process at all. But I think with technology, social media, things like that, band members are now being a part of the business whether they know it or not. Yeah. Um, You may not be actively making decisions, but if you're... You know, posting, hey, setting up at the whatever theater, you're now advertising for your band. That's right. Um, And I think it's, uh, you know, can be the same way with with another creative business, but, like, with music as well. But, like, even with my, yeah, with my business, like, you know, there's the creative side, but a lot of this I had to just kind of learn. The business side of it I was very unfamiliar with. I do not – I think I'm kind of out of the box when it's as far as a typical businessman and, like, what my priorities are and what we kind of focus on. Um, But there's no – with my case personally, like, ain't nobody else to do it, you know. So it's like you got to figure it out. And it was a lot of trial and error, but there's a healthy balance there, you know. Um, I don't overly – delve into one or the other too much yeah and keep the creative side there but also mind your business you sure. know what i mean at, at the end of the day i've got a mortgage to pay i've got you know i got bills sure. you know? and so it's uh keep that side keep both fires lit without having one you know completely extinguish the other i i wanted to get your thoughts on this you know i, I think for
0: me uh because i also uh, am a musician i mm-hmm. love art yeah. And to me, I think that there's a very interesting intersect that happens because as an artist, there has to be discipline that's required in order to achieve the level of playing that is required to play in front of an audience. Mm -hmm. And so the countless hours that it takes, right, of, Absolutely. of playing that same lick, of playing that same thing, oh, yeah. right? Absolutely. And that tenacity that it takes to get to that level of playing, I think also can shine through your products. Absolutely.
1: What is your intention? Mm. That is the biggest thing uh, with business, with music, with anything. What's your intention? Your true intention behind it? Are you doing it for money? mm are you doing it for popularity? Or are you doing it for chicks? Mm. I mean, whatever. Like, what is your intention? If it's a noble one, then I think that, like, you know, for me, for music, like, it is therapeutic for me, but I also love to give it to folks. I love for to have that connection with human beings, and that's my intention is to have that connection. And, like, you know, if it's something that is – genuine and pure in nature that your intention is i think it's going to shine through it doesn't have you don't have much of a choice it's going to show um so i think like why do you do what you do is important as to how you do it
0: well i i would draw a similarity between when you are playing and when you are giving making the audience feel some type of emotion oh yeah that actually is the same thing that you're achieving when you give when people buy your product and they also have that same reaction. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so to me, I think that, you know, those two lines, even though they, you know, the suits versus the artists, right? Like, sure. that, that There's that classic kind of like struggle there. I think more times than not, you're starting to see the art flow into kind of like this business element and success come from it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Because if you can cause and invoke an emotional reaction from
1: people using your product,
0: that is the same thing as like Dude. rocking a crowd. What's absolutely. the difference?
1: Bro, I've had this past holiday season, like when we launched these candles, it was like, you never know if they're going to be a hit or not. You know, it's uh, it's a gamble. But having pi- people send me pictures of like one of our pumpkin pie candles on the table with their turkey. <laughs> And they're dressing. I'm serious, You serious? Like, but, like... I love and, and that. They, and they let me know, like, this smells so good. Like, I'm on your Thanksgiving table, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or it's Christmas and, like, you know, here we we snuggled with your candle lit last yeah. night. And it, you know, we, did, we live in an apartment, can't have a Christmas tree, but your pine forest candle... Love that. You know, made our plastic one, made us feel like we had a, a real one. That literally got texted to me, and it was like that right there. That's my why. Yeah, that means more to me than any any dollar I'll ever make in my life. Like yeah. my mom yesterday sent me a text that she had gotten from a gentleman who he lost his wife back in October, and she had given him just you know some soap and stuff and, from our company, and just as a thinking of you kind of gift. And he sent a picture of that soap. He's it's on his nightstand, and he goes. I've kept this here. It's the best smell ever. It was, uh, it's actually the same soap you got in there, Barbershop Quartet. But he said, it has made my times, you know, smell good or something to that effect. And I told my mom, I was like, like, that's, that's so much more important than money. Like yeah. it, you know what I mean? Like, seriously, like yeah. I would rather have a million of those than a million dollars any day. And I'm dead serious. Mm. And so like, that's my why is that like, Yes, my soap can keep you clean, make you smell good. You know, that's the stuff it has to do or else sure. you know. But if it can be a part of little moments, if a little gesture or, or it can be a part of a gift that you give to somebody, or it can be a part of a smell that makes you think of, you know, family or holidays or on the Thanksgiving table or whatever, that is my why. Mm-hmm. That is what I would rather knowing those things means more to me than any profit or anything stuff like that. like that's just that's the good stuff love it yeah
0: what's next for uh, homegrown trading Post?
1: man we are uh, getting ready for Valentine's Day that's going to be another rush for us but uh, we're ready for it um, new scents are always on the horizon you know follow your nose but uh, <laughs> yeah uh, I've been looking at possibly doing a, a all natural deodorant and just I've got some ideas kind of brewing but at the end of the day We're going to just literally keep our head down and keep making soap and just, you know, it's going to be what he wants it to be. I love it. Yeah, man. Greg, I want to thank you for
0: coming to the show. Thank Thank you for for being an inspiration. I think that, you know, that oftentimes gets overlooked the fact that you've gone through this struggle before. And not only did you find your why out of it, you have created a company that makes you so passionate about every single day that you live i appreciate that so much that is huge thank you i think that there's potentially so many people out there that might be struggling with potentially something very similar and your story more than others that i've kind of like experienced, gives them hope and that within
1: itself is extremely powerful and i Uh, thank you for that i can't thank you enough for the kind words. head that means a lot Thank Absolutely.
0: You. Well, welcome to the show and uh thank you so much for stopping by.
1: And, Thanks for having me. Hopefully, the first of many times. I've, I've Absolutely. Enjoyed, I've enjoyed this way too much. It was a much. blast. Yeah. It was a blast. Awesome, cool. man.